0: Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean show starts now. Good morning Tucson and welcome to the Jeff Dean show. I am Jeff Dean still unable to clear my throat apparently from yesterday under <laughs> the weather <clears throat> yesterday has uh, powered through the show. Feeling great today, except apparently the voice wasn't ready. Trying trying to get there. These allergies are killing me, man. Regardless, we have got a great two-hour show for you today on a football Friday here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. And boy, oh boy, uh, it's one of those days where I wish I had double the amount of time that I do have to uh, talk with you guys today because there was so much to consume in the world of sports yesterday. It began early. It continued later on into the night, and we begin with the spectacle that was the Field of Dreams game in Dyersville, Iowa last night as Tim Anderson goes the distance and eases the pain of Major League Baseball for at least one night. As the White Sox walk off the Yankees at the Field of Dreams game in uh, in Iowa, and the only thing that could have made it <laughs> more incredible is if uh, the White Sox phenom star Tim Anderson could have somehow hit a ball high up into the lighting above the stadium <laughs> in Iowa, sending sparks onto the field, casting darkness over the outfield in a uh, scene from I you know I'm just kind of mixing. Uh, fa- baseball movies here with The Natural. But man, oh man, what a game yesterday. I was able to tune in. Uh, I work I work nights. I work a weird schedule. I'm just going to put that out there. I work really, really, really long days, Monday through Thursday, um, as I run a company in Phoenix uh, that does entertainment at night. And uh, I had to work last night. But before I went to work last night, I was watching – uh, the first couple innings of the game, and, you know, it started off kind of lackluster. Lance Lynn, uh, you know, against the Yankees, and the, the players found off a lot of pitches, seen a lot of pitches. There were some bad strike calls. Um, you know, there was a, a literally a letter high strike that was called for a called strike three, which I, uh, you know, approved of. The umpire, it, it, it was a, an extremely boring at bat to open up the ball game last night, essentially, um and the umpire was like, okay, the fans aren't into this. Nobody's into this right now. This is really boring. I'm going to ring this guy up, and it's a good thing he did because that got everything kind of started, and in the bottom of the first, the, uh, the White Sox, of course, Jose Abreu hits one into the corn, and we are off and running, and as soon as somebody hit a ball into the corn, that's kind of when everybody woke up. Thankfully, it happened in the bottom of the first. Jose Abreu uh, kind of lubed the machine, if you will, and then the White Sox just started tearing up the uh, the Yankees, and their newest addition at the uh, in the pitchers spot, the starting pitcher Andrew Heaney, tanked for seven runs in his five inning start with the Yankees. Another struggle has given up a seemingly fifty home runs since he was brought over to the Yankees in a trade during uh, midseason. But um, nonetheless. It was heroics in the ninth inning that would steal the show. And it was bef- before Fox and the broadcast could even spit out the, the, the statistic about the, the White Sox' first walk-off home run in, in franchise's history versus the Yankees. You know, they've had 14. Uh, the White Sox have had 14 walk-off home runs in their history. Uh, against the Yankees, and uh, the first ever was in 1919 by none other than Shoeless Joe Jackson. They didn't even get a chance to spit that out before the the phenomenal shortstop of the White Sox, Tim Anderson, cranked one opposite field over the right field fence into the corn for the walk-off home run, giving the double signal, it's over, it's over, as he's circling the bases, just having the time of his life, fans going nuts, fireworks going off, it was absolutely incredible. I'm in. I'm in this this bar last night. We're we're doing our our uh, our trivia show that we do every single Thursday night to a sellout crowd there, and there was preseason football on, and people were just kind of like, eh, whatever, you know, just kind of watching it in the past. There wasn't a whole lot of of noise going on, and I'm in the middle of the show, I hear a roar, and I'm like, what wh- what happened? Is you know some. Something weird happened in the football game. I'm looking, 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 and I look over to my left where they had the baseball game on, and I see Tim Anderson trotting around the bases and the the teammates waiting at home plate for him and I'm like, Oh my god, he walked it off. What an incredible moment. I've I've watched I've watched the the replay of the final play numerous times. I watched it last night. I watched I've watched it this morning several times. I just can't get over how special it was, and maybe I'm being overly sentimental here because I do just, I dearly, dearly love the game of baseball, and I'm saddened by how watered down the game has become, and and, I mean, honestly, how drastically the game has changed over the last several years, where it become an all-or-nothing league. Either you strike out or you hit a home run, there's no more station to station baseball they don't care about defense anymore um you know it's just a, it's you know pitchers are the, the numbers for the pitchers are you, you either you either cy young worthy or you're absolutely terrible it's just a weird league of dynamics anymore these days and last night was a dynamic night for baseball ton of home runs hit it was a very exciting night i i sat down to watch early cuz i knew that there was going to be I, I knew that fox was going to do it up i mean that's you know this is their one opportunity really to get a uh get a a, a a tremendous experience out there for the fans and they did not disappoint i mean it was one of those situations where you know i was on twitter and i was kind of you know following along with some of the people that i knew would be watching it as well and uh, i was texting some of my buddies and it was one of the situations like, I'm not crying, you're crying. You know, <laughs> Kevin Costner walks through the corn, walks to the pitcher's mound. He's just kind of like walking and looking around. He's in his he's in his white shirt like he was in the 1989 film, and then all of a sudden, all of the Yankees and White Sox players start emerging from the corn, just like they did in the film. It, it just it just brought up a lot of a lot of emotion for me. It, it, Field of Dreams a very Emotional film for me. It's. I think a, a lot of people have those types of movies. You know, they always say that what's the one movie that'll get you emotional every single time? And mine is very, very simple. It's Field of Dreams. It's that movie. Um, I don't exactly know why. I don't have any type of overly emotional attachment to playing catch with my dad who's passed away or anything like that. Like my my dad is still alive, and I don't have any of those types of, of memories. You know that where it, it really strikes a chord with me like many other people do. It's just a, it's just a, an emotional film. And uh, they did a phenomenal job last night, did Major League Baseball. Uh, and interestingly enough, it was the, uh, as it's been reported now, the first recorded walk-off home run that the White Sox franchise has ever, ever had versus the Yankees was hit in 1919 by Shoeless Joe Jackson, who, of course, is the feature character from... Field of dreams the movie I mean, you, I mean, you can't write the script any better it was like hollywood sprinkled a little of their magic over that uh, over that baseball game for just one moment last night and and made it just as special as it, it could possibly be and the drama began in the top of the ninth white Sox are up seven to four they bring in Liam Hendricks, who's one of the best closers in the game. He's, he was the closer for the All-Star team. He's got seven wins this year and a bunch of saves. I mean, he's, he's phenomenal. Up 7-4, you think, okay, Yankees lineup has been putrid all season long. This is, this is you know, how it's going to end. But you saw some of the names coming up in the lineup. Okay, Judge is going to be coming up. Maybe even Giancarlo Stanton, guys, with some, with some power, with some pop. Of course, Judge hit a home run earlier in the game. He walks up, hits a two-run dinger. Uh, oh, am I allowed to say that? I just want to make sure I can say dinger. Home tater, uh, round tripper, four bagger, any any one of those things. Not sure if I can say dinger. I might offend uh, some Major League Baseball player out there who doesn't want to accept the fact that there are other words out there. So he walks up, hits a two-run home run, makes it 7-6, to six, and then a walk. Puts a runner on first base for John Carlos Stanton, who absolutely smokes one over the left field fence to give the Yankees the lead. Eight to seven. They take that in the bottom of the ninth, and you're like, oh man, the drama. Here we go. And then Tim Anderson steps to the plate with a runner at first, and on the first pitch, goes yard for the walk-off. What a tremendous, tremendous sight for Major League Baseball last night. And I had mentioned yesterday. Not sure what the plans are for future games in the corn. If, if they even want to, you know, redo this, maybe it was going to be a nightmare. I know they had some bad weather. There was tornado watches earlier in the week. They, there was possibly going to be some bad weather. Uh, Rob Manfred, MLB commissioner, stated, uh, I believe it was during the game that he made the announcement, that there would be a return to Dyersville, Iowa in the 2022 season. They have not announced the two teams that are going to be involved but there will be a return to the field of dreams in 2022. Uh, I don't know if anything will match <laughs> what we saw last night in the future. But nonetheless, these are very special moments. And I think that it's something that should be embraced by not just baseball fans, but by sports fans. And these are these are unique, very, very unique moments. And I, Look, Major League Baseball has been blessed to be able to exploit a unique scenario like this. An iconic movie filmed about a ballpark and a very historic set of players. You know, they brought Moonlight Graham, who's a real baseball player, into he played for while well, he played had one at bat for the nineteen oh five Giants. There's all kinds of memorabilia out there, postcards and things like that for Moonlight Graham. Um for, you know, a part of the movie was about. But um you know, a, a very unique scenario major, that only Major League Baseball can really capitalize on, because Major League Baseball has this very unique, you know, this, this very unique aspect about them. Ballparks are one of the, you, you know, one of the the equalizers or difference makers in baseball. Where in the NHL, NFL, NBA, and basically every other sport. The playing field is uniform. It's the same for everybody. Baseball parks have as much personality as the players who play the game. And Major League Baseball is able to capitalize on that. They're able to exploit that very, very unique aspect of the game. And there's a baseball field that is approved for Major League play to have an official win-loss game played in the middle of a field of corn in Iowa in front of 8,000 fans with throwback uniforms and all that stuff. I mean, it was, it was just a tremendous moment in a very unique situation. You know, and, and I, it got me thinking throughout the night, you know, baseball is really the only the only sport that could pull this off, and we've seen also a lot of success from the NHL's Winter Classic, right? Why is the Winter Classic so popular? Well, you take a sport that is played exclusively indoors and has been for decades, right? For the greater part of the last century, the game of the NHL has been played indoors, closed, closed roofs. They move it outside. I'll never forget the, winter, the first Winter Classic that I saw. It was absolutely incredible. It was an amazing game. And you know why? Because the weather was so stinking bad it was a it was a half a blizzard going on out there. It was amazing. There was snow all over the ice. Players were you, you could see the breath coming out of their mouth. You, you know, it was it was like 13 degrees outside during the game. That's what fa- fans wanted to see that because they want to see the players fight the elements in hockey because it's a it's a unique situation, right? They can play when it's snowing and the ice surface is covered in 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 snow and ice and and it's slick, and there's slush and sludge everywhere. That's why the Winter Classic has become an extremely popular event that they do every year. They play in an outdoor venue where we don't get to see the NHL game normally played, and it got me thinking, what else? What could the NFL or NBA do? The NFL, first of all, doesn't need to do anything. You can get 75,000 fans in the crappiest stadium in the world to watch an NFL game. Doesn't it doesn't matter. Like they don't have to do this. They don't need to do gimmicky things to gain eyeballs on the game. So I get that the motivation isn't there. But I think the NFL may look into the I mean, we have the Hall of Fame game, but it's it's played in early August in front of a small stadium in Canton, Ohio, bleeding up to the the Hall of Fame. It it's a it's a wonderful gesture. And the NFL does a does, you know does a really nice job with their presentation, but nobody cares about that game. Nobody cares about the Hall of Fame game. It doesn't it? Doesn't count. It doesn't matter. It's preseason. You know these games like the Field of Dreams, the Winter Classic. Those games count. Those games matter. They're Usually, featuring two really good baseball teams or you know or two good two good teams, I should say. Uh, both teams last night. Obviously, the Yankees are somewhat in the hunt. They're in fourth in the AL East right now. Uh, White Sox are one of the better teams in baseball. The Winter Classic often f- features two teams who are also very good playoff teams from the previous year or teams who were supposed to be in the playoffs that year or they feature uh, some of the game's biggest superstars. You know, I know the NFL doesn't have to do it, but, you know, I guess what are some ideas that the NFL would kick around? I don't even know. Like, do they play a game at, just just go wild and go play a game at Yellowstone? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, clear a, clear a path in Yellowstone Park See if there's some bison running around or a bear runs onto the field or something. That'd be very NFL-like. What about the NBA? What else, what can they do to exploit some of the, the past or some of the heritage of their game? What about a game at Rucker Park? First of all, you can only get about 500 people to watch the game at Rucker Park because that's about all it'll fit. It's a tiny little place. Second of all, I don't know if it'd be safe to put on an NBA game at Rucker Park in the middle of Harlem, 13th uh, in Harlem there. Uh, not sure it'd be safe. I mean, certainly it embraces the heritage and the history of the sport and those greats that have played the game. Rucker Park is the icon, right? Um, you know, I just got me kind of thinking. But honestly, those two situations that MLB and NHL have are extremely unique, and they're unique because of the sport. There's, you know, NHL doesn't have any outdoor venues. They get to play once a year out in the elements. I think people really, really enjoy that. And of course, Major League Baseball, able to put a game on in a stadium or on a on a ball field that is very unique because ballparks are unique to Major League Baseball. And I just really enjoyed it, and I'm looking forward to next year's already. Um, again, I don't think it'll top what happened in the game this year. I hope that people got a chance to sit down and watch and enjoy. I know, uh, you know, I I know that uh, I'll be watching. Field of Dreams over the weekend. I'm sure I just I'll just turn it on and and have it on. I was I got in an argument with a guy last night. It's pretty funny. He was like he was like, well, Field of Dreams isn't a baseball game. I, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, first of all, okay, yeah. There's an underlying story about a guy trying to trying to save his farm because you know it's a it's a it's a, it's a story that's old as time, right? A, a midwestern farmer down on his luck. Can't sell his crops. Uh, you know the bank's going to foreclose. Pay, they want his land. Blah blah blah. He's going through the, all these troubles and it's the, the trials and tribulations of trying to save his farm and his family. And he goes on this excursion because a voice in his cornfield told him to, you know, go the distance and ease his pain. And if you build it, he will come. And he builds, you know, tears down his his corn and builds a baseball field in the hopes of who knows what some spirit speaking to him. I know, and, and I get it. There's not a whole lot of, like, baseball games being played. Like, it's not like Bull Durham. It's not like Major League where there are baseball games with scoreboards and all that kind of stuff being played. But if you don't think that Field of Dreams is about the game of baseball, then you are a fool. <laughs> let's just, I mean, let's just call it like it is. One of the greatest speeches in film history, is delivered by James Earl Jones in that movie strictly about the game of baseball and how it has stood the test of time there have been world wars world famine there have been there you know there, there have been stock market crashes and in the Great Depression there have been medical pandemics and outbreaks and the only one thing that stood the test of time was baseball right I mean, it's it's one of the greatest monologues and speeches in the history of film. So, yes, Field of Dreams is about baseball. And to be honest, I'd be willing to say that they say the word baseball in that movie more than they say it in a movie like Major League or maybe even Bull Durham. They say it a ton of times in that movie. And, yes, there's an excursion and there's a story and there's an adventure and they visit Fenway and they go, light find Mulan Graham and... Uh, you know, they, they go to have to go rescue Terrence Mann and take him to a baseball game and all this other stuff. The game, is, this the movie is about baseball. Just like Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Don't at me. Die Hard's a Christmas movie. <laughs> Save that conversation for another time. Don't miss NFL Cover 2 every weekday here on ESPN Tucson. It's brought to you by Barrio Brewing Company. Barrio Brewing Company, Arizona's oldest brewery, celebrating 30 years of brewing for Arizona. Um, If you don't know, you're about to know. I'm just going to drop a little hint here for you. I don't know if I'm going to get any trouble for this. We'll see. We'll just push the envelope, see what happens. If by chance you happen to be driving by a Safeway in the city of Tucson today, you may want to stop in and take a little walk through the the, uh, liquor department. See, maybe there's a display of your favorite local brew waiting for you on special today. Just saying, I, there's a possibility it may be happening. I don't know. There's a possibility that there may be something uh, that entices you to buy some Barrio Brewing at your local Safeway today. Just, just put it out there. I, I, again, I don't, I don't know. I'm just, it's a Friday. There's the weekend coming up. Maybe you might want to go in and look and. Maybe this is a nice display and some sales going on. All right, we got a lot to talk about here on a football Friday, and we will begin talking some football in the next segment uh, as we have some takeaways from the Big 11 on 11 full pad practice at Wildcat Camp last night. Some of the observations and reactions from what we saw and uh, some of the things that we heard last night on uh, on campus during the uh, during the practice. We'll talk about that next. You're listening here to The Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Now back to The Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. You know, in my illness yesterday, not feeling well, doing otherwise, just literally just trying to get through the show without having interruptions. Uh, I forgot, just completely neglected to give away a pair of FC Tucson tickets. That means I have two pair to give away because I still have the tickets. I just need to give them away. And I want to make sure we give them away. So we be doing that right now. Let's give away one pair of tickets right now to go see FC Tucson tomorrow night at Kino North taking on Union Omaha. Game starts at 7, gates open at 6. Collar number 1. At five two zero seven one nine fourteen ninety seven one nine one four nine zero, you're going to win one pair of tickets to go see FC Tucson, and I do have a second pair that I'll be giving away before the end of the show. Sometime in the next ninety minutes of today's show, I will be giving that second pair away. But first, right now, seven one nine fourteen ninety, caller number one, you will win a pair of tickets to go to that uh, the football match, the soccer match uh, tomorrow night at Kino North. Good luck. So last night in uh, in Tucson uh, at campus there it was day 6 of Wildcat camp and it was a big it was a big night for uh, for the Wildcats big night for the staff big night for the players as this was going to be the first full team session with full pads with tackling team sessions 11 on 11 this is a big night this is a this is the first opportunity essentially for these players to show what they got at full speed and some of the takeaways and and some of the things that I heard from last night. Now coach Jed fish did not speak after the, after the practice, which I was uh, a little bit, I guess uh, surprised by disappointed. Um, I really wanted to hear Jed fish give his thoughts uh, because he does like, he does such a great job with the media. A lot of his guys do, Um, but Jed does specifically a really good job with the media and when he speaks, he brings up players by name that stood out to him, and it's nice for members of the media like myself to be able to pick up on those things and then look a little deeper into them and kind of see where that particular player may be filling in in the, on the depth chart, okay? But uh, nonetheless, I think we'll hear after, uh, after Coach Fish this morning. They do have a 945 practice this morning, so quick turnaround for those boys uh, out there. And, and uh, look, I think it's probably part of Um, You know, kind of a a, a nice, let's give them an extended kind of day off Friday. We'll come back. I think they'll have a much lighter practice today, probably just shells, shorts and shells today. Um, I don't think it'll be a full hitting. It was a pretty physical practice from what I heard last night. So some of the takeaways, there, there still is no considerable separation, no obvious at least, I think to some of the eyeballs out there, separation at the quarterback position yet. Basically, all three guys that got reps played well. Will Plummer and uh, Jordan McLeod threw some touchdown passes during the team session. Uh, Both looked pretty good. I think the consensus was is that Will Plummer looked a little bit better than Jordan McLeod. McLeod threw a couple of picks, I believe, during the session. One was on a phenomenal play by Jalen Harris um, where he kind of stepped off of the blocker, put his paw up, Deflected the ball into the air and then caught it. You know, basically tipped it to himself, made an uh, an extremely nice play. And we these are the type of plays we expect out of Jalen Harris and Jason Harris, his brother, for that matter, too. You know, these are, these are both quick, lanky athletes, um, guys who are expected to make plays like this. Okay, they're uh, talented, intelligent, heady football players, and we've seen stuff like this from Jalen before, uh, so I'm not surprised. Also, uh, McLeod had had later made you know even though he did throw a couple of picks, probably made what many people believe is to be the best throw of any quarterback of the night when he connected with Stanley Berryhill on a on a touchdown play. It was a crossing route uh, to uh, to Stanley Berryhill, and look, this is no surprise. I think we all kind of understood this, but it is patently obvious right now who the Wildcats' most significant weapon on offense is, and that's Stanley Berryhill. I mean, he's, he's far and away the number one option at wide receiver. He is the most explosive and significant weapon that Arizona has on offense this year. Um, the, the key for Arizona and their offense is to going to be able to find ways to counteract the schemes that are going to go against Stanley Berryhill. I guarantee that D.C.'s out there are going to focus on, look, if we can shut down Berryhill, and just hope that the other receivers don't kill us, then we're going to have a good chance to, to get Arizona off the field. That's going to be the scheme. That's going to be the trend, I, I believe, that we will see. So other receivers are going to have to step up. But also that just means that Stanley Berryhill is going to have to work harder uh, to get open, find ways to, to do things to get open, get himself in the play, get himself in action. Because if Arizona is going to have any success this year, they have to have Stanley Berryhill scoring touchdowns, getting open, wreaking havoc in the secondary he is the most significant weapon that Arizona has. Speaking of significant weapons, it's sounding more and more like Michael Wiley and Stevie Rocker are emerging as the one-two rotational backs in the offense, which is nice. You know, Michael Wiley, who we've seen the last two seasons as the third-down back in Mazzoni's offense. Right, he was he was a third-down guy. He's always he's always in on third down, not only because he was so good out of the backfield at catching the football, but also because he's very good in pass protection. You know, Michael Wiley, that's, that's one thing that he doesn't get a whole lot of credit for, uh, and that's his ability to pick up the blitz. He does, he does quite well in that area. And I think now because of the work that he's done with T.O. in the offseason and the bulk that he's put on, he, you know, he showed last night that he's able to get in between the tackles in a goal-line situation with 10 men on the line of scrimmage and bull his way through. He was able to score a touchdown last night in a very, very difficult uh, situation on the goal line where he had to basically use his strength to get through, things that we haven't seen out of Michael Wiley in the first two seasons. He just wasn't used in that aspect. He's a third down back, and open field back, and a guy who's used on, on max pro. Uh, so last night it was nice to, to see that he was in there on goal line and got a nose for the end zone and was able to power through. Stevie rocker also has shown that he has a, a lot of different tools in his tool bag, right? We've, we've seen him grow up over the summer in this offseason with To. He's put on some muscle. We know how quick he can be. Now he's added some strength and some, some real vertical speed uh, to his repertoire. And it looks like the ankles healthy, which is great. And it looks like he's emerging possibly as the number two back in this offense. And again, Arizona's backfield is very talented. They have a lot of multiple guys back there. I'm not worried about Arizona's backfield. Obviously, we're going to try to focus and see who that number, you know, the number one guy and then possibly the number two guy is. Is you will see rotational backs and even look, even, even Scotty Graham and Jet Fish have both said you know the days of a, a tailback getting 25 carries in a game are over. At least in our offense, it is, and I, I believe that to be true. So you're going to see a steady rotation of certainly two guys that they trust and probably a third guy, maybe even third down guys. But uh, it appears that Wiley and Rocker are emerging as the one-two backs in the rotation. How about the defense? Don Brown took to the microphone last night. As always, is a pleasure to hear him speak. And uh, we'll talk about that next right here on the Jeff Dean Show, 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. All right, real quick, before I go back to discussing the things that were seen in practice, the Jedi, Coach Jed Fish, added again on Twitter this morning, about 30 minutes ago, just uh, just shortly after we, we started the show. I uh, didn't get a chance to see this until just now. Tweeted out a video, a GIF, of a dancing cactus. A guy in a cactus suit dancing, doing a happy dance. Now, I don't want to presume that this is any kind of real news, but we've seen in the past that when the Jedi dances, good things happen. Right? When, When he posts things like this, we usually get notification shortly after, that something good has happened with the program. I'm just going to put this out there. I'm going to put it out in the universe and hope that it manifests into reality. TMAC, T-Tyroa McMillan, the, who has just been upgraded, by the way, was just upgraded either yesterday or the day before to the number one overall recruit in the state of California. Number one. Adam Gorney of, of uh, Rivals, okay, uh, a guy who has been analyzing recruiting for years and years, believes in his mind that T-Mac is down to two schools, USC and Arizona. And he believes that Arizona, as of at least yesterday, had a slight edge over USC in the recruitment of T-Mac, t and McMillan because of... Anaheim Servite members already being verbally committed: to Arizona, Noah Fafita, and Kean Burnett. They could possibly create the the threesome, the trio uh, that they currently have in dominating high school football in the uh, in Southern California, in the OC, and bring that to the desert. <clears throat> and he announced, but uh, uh, T Mac the other day said that he's going to be making his official announcement very very soon. I, I'm just reading the tea leaves here and putting it out into the universe and hoping it manifests. <clears throat> Jeez. my goodness. <clears throat> See, this is the problem of not having what they call a cough button in the industry, where I can just you know push the button and it just interrupts my voice while I clear my throat, or at least having a co-host that can talk while I can just say you know I like give them the, the yap signal so they can talk while I clear my throat so I don't disturb people. Anyway, <laughs> so. The Jedi tweeting it out. We'll see. A dancing cactus. This may mean something. Look, if Arizona lands Mac, if they're able to get the number one player in the state of Arizona for the 2022 class, if they're able to get him away from USC, I mean, look, this is a two-fold win. Not only do you get the best player according to both recruiting services in the state of California but you keep him away from the power school in your division okay take him away from his own backyard bring him here to uh, to Tucson to learn and uh, and play in this system you have won twofold arizona currently sits i think right around number 41 in the nation as far as the 2022 class goes you add the number one player from the state of California, that number goes up exponentially. Like, that number is going to climb into the, into the low 30s, my, my, my guess is. Probably 32, 31 somewhere. Now you've got real momentum in the 2022 recruiting class. You've got, I mean, you're putting dudes on the board. And, again, these are verbal commits. I don't want to get too excited about it. <laughs> okay? But it's not like there's going to be a whole lot of coaching changes between now and then. Okay, let's just call it like it is. I think these guys are going to be here for another for another year. Just just say it. So the the you know the the potential for the signing of these players is is very high for Arizona. This is going to create momentum on the recruiting trail. Arizona is going to be able to say, "Look, we're putting together really something something special here." If if I, I mean if you had told me honestly, If you had told me, or any Wildcat fan, six months ago, when the 2022 recruiting class was ranked, I think it was like 77th in the nation, granted, you know, there was a coaching change and all this other stuff, but still 77th in the nation for a Power 5 program. That's embarrassing. If you told me then that Arizona would be possibly pushing a top 25 ranking by the time february twenty twenty two rolls around I would have laughed in your face <laughs> seriously would have i'd have laughed and be like now listen i'm as i'm you know I'm a big a homer as anybody, but come on, you can't be that delusional what what could what could this staff possibly do in one season one recruiting season that would bring them from seventy seven to twenty five that would be like the biggest jump in the history of college recruiting. If, if this tweet that the Jedi sent out just a little bit ago, if it is indicative of a verbal commitment from T. Tyroa McMillan, then uh, we are on our way. Arizona is on its way to a top thirty uh, shortly followed by possibly a top 25 ranking in the recruiting for 2022 class. Just remarkable. Absolutely remarkable job. And again, I know. I can hear hear the city of Tucson right now. They haven't won a game yet. They haven't won a game yet. I know. I realize that. They haven't even played a game yet. And they're not going to win many games this year. And regardless of what the coaching staff tells you, okay, remember, this coaching staff, is no coaching staff is going to go out there and say, yeah, we're really just hoping we win more than you know a couple games this year. <laughs> Nobody's going to say that. Every coaching staff, first of all, wants to win. Their goal is to win. They're going to preach winning because that's how you change the culture. That's how you create a culture of winning. You believe that you're going to win, and when you don't win, you figure out why you didn't, and you go back and you fix that. And then you go give your best effort again next week and get that win. And then when you don't get that win, then you figure out why. Sometimes you just have to accept the fact they kicked your butt and they were better than you. You move, you move on, you lick your wounds, you go try to get another one next week. Sometimes it's like we made a couple of mistakes that cost us the game. We were better than them on the field today. We needed to win that football game, and we're going to work on that. You know, every game is a different, a different scenario. It plays out differently. And, again, I'm not expecting uh, a bowl berth out of this team in, in year one. Nobody should be. Manage your expectations. That's, that has been my term for the last, I don't know, five, six years. I tell people this all the time. Manage your expectations in everything. Sports, career, dating life or, or relationship aspect. Manage your expectations. It will, do, it will serve you so much better in life if you manage your expectations. There's nothing worse than being let down. You know why people get let down? Because they overexerted their expectations into something. Manage your expectations. Now, I know I was going to talk about the defense. I didn't get a chance to because the tweet got me all stirred up here. Uh, Don Brown took to the microphone yesterday, just here quickly. He was on the mic yesterday, and, and he was being honest. He, he even said so. He, admitted, he goes, I would tell you guys if it were differently, right? He, he said that he really likes the progress that his players are showing in camp, the defensive players. This has been a question for Arizona all offseason. What is the what is the defense going to look like? The the linebackers who were going to be in most people's eyes the weakness of this defense didn't have linebackers. You know, Anthony Pandy said on the microphone the other night, we really needed a mic. We needed a, a middle linebacker. Didn't have one essentially. Now, it appears that Arizona's linebacking core, after a deep dive into the transfer portal, getting guys from Bowling Green and from other places, it, it's looking like maybe things are looking up. They got Hayward from Western Michigan, the, the 2019 MAC Defensive Player of the Year. He's come in, and he's been here for like six days and is already starting to make plays. Don Brown is is excited about his defense, and I think he should be. They talked to him about Christian Roland Wallace, who, by the way, I, I also I, I mentioned Christian Young yesterday by by name, and what a what a great player and a great talent he is. Christian Roland Wallace is really uh, something special. You watch him on the field, and he is uh, he, he's got his hand everywhere. Like he's he's always around the ball. I'm always announcing his name from the PA deck. We're always giving him either credit for a tackle or assistant tackles. He's constantly he's constantly getting written into my book guy. Um, Coach Don Brown spoke glowingly about Christian wollin He said, quote, I'm glad he's on my team. Even compared him to a couple of players that he had when he was at UConn, uh, a guy by the name of Bleedy Ray Wilson, who was a phenomenal football player in college. And Byron Jones, who just a few weeks ago signed a huge deal with the Miami Dolphins as their cornerback and is the fifth highest play- uh, fifth highest paid corner in the league. Don Brown even said that. He goes, he's the fifth highest paid uh, defensive back in the NFL. He's right. I looked it up. He is the fifth highest paid corner in the league. Played at Dallas, um, obviously, for the first, I think, four or five years of his career now in Miami. Made a big uh, big splash with the Dolphins. Don Brown basically compared him, Christian Roland Wallace, to those two players. That's a glowing, uh, a glowing endorsement for c Rowe. Um, also, Don Brown said that he wants to see a platoon of about seventeen to nineteen guys in the rotational of uh, of that defense, so that 's a pretty good number it 's a pretty ambitious number to believe that you have nineteen guys that can play in this defense and uh, i think I think that 's a good a good start night seventeen to nineteen is a good place to be uh, specifically defensive line rotations and things like that all right we 've talked some wildcat football. We're also going to be talking about some other college football notes, some news coming out of the Pac-12, and something very interesting happening in the world of name, image, and likeness yesterday. Still a whole lot more to talk about today. Come on back. It's the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here. Quick segments. Before we turn over the, uh, the top of the hour, it's always that quick bang, bang. You know, we, have a, we take a, just a quick two-minute break at the top of the hour, then we're right back at it to open hour number two. So stay tuned. Um, the Pac-12, just real quick news here. The Pac-12 amended its forfeiture policy last season because of the pandemic. Uh, the, the Pac-12 previously had its forfeiture policy where if a game could not be played, um, and was it was deemed a no contest last year. But if a game could not be played previously because uh, you know whatever you know for whatever reason, then the game would result in a loss for the team who had to cancel the forfeiture or had to forfeit the game, and the other team would get the win. But now with vaccinations available, the conference announced yesterday. Merton Hanks uh, at the Pac-12 offices announced that the pre-COVID policy from previous to 2020 would return for this season. Quote. If an institution is unable to play a contest through its own fault, it shall forfeit such contest to its opponent. Any forfeited contest shall be regarded as a conference loss for the team making the forfeit, and a conference win for its opponent. So, let's say, for instance, Arizona. Okay, this probably won't happen, to Arizona, because they have 115 of the 118 vaccinated, and all the coaches are vaccinated. Um, let's say the entire Quarterback room gets is in COVID protocol, and Arizona can't play their game. They can't travel to Seattle to play uh, the Dogs. Okay, um, Arizona's forfeit would result in a loss for Arizona and a win for Washington. I look. This is this is a slippery slope, and, and programs and certain coaches I think will find ways around this because. If you have, if a player comes to you that's ill, let's let's just say you're Oregon, okay, and you have a big game coming up. Big game; it's going to be televised on ESPN. Oh, by the way, uh, let me just throw this out there also: any loss of television revenue because of the forfeiture will be shared by all the schools. <laughs> so, if a big game on like like ESPN, okay, let's say like Oregon USC, okay, ESPN big game, it's a ten million dollar uh, payout or whatever. Uh, all the teams lose the revenue. Now, let's just say Oregon, offensive line, gets sick, okay? They don't test them. They just say, stay home, you're sick. Stay home, uh, don't test, because if you test positive, then we have to put you in protocol. Right now, you're just sick. Come back in three days, and everything will be fine. And I'm not saying that they should do that. I'm just saying that there are possible programs out there that could that they would look into circumventing the system that way. Nefarious practices, right? It'll happen. You watch as this, as this type of stuff spreads throughout the country. I'm talking about forfeitures and such. You'll find programs working out ways to get around that. Still hour number two coming up. Again, just a quick break. Lots more football to talk on a football Friday. Stay tuned. It's the Jeff Dean Show here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. From the Casino del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson, 1490 KFFN AM Tucson, KMXC HD for Tucson.